igniting, inspiring, and evoking the fire within. There's this French phrase that I love completely. It's raison d'etre. And it's, you know, it just roughly translates to what is the meaning or purpose in, in either something or one's life. So when you, when you pursue your life or goal or project, it kind of, you know, boils down to what is the purpose of it? So what is your, but basically what is your raison d'etre in life? And that I just absolutely love. You're listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Today, we've got a filmmaker on who's looking to, to find unique stories to tell. He's a writer, a director, and drone pilot. He's worked on several short films and has a feature set out to release next year. He is Ryan Lessica. Ryan, how are you this evening? Hi, Fox. It's great to be here today. It's always a great day. Great day to be alive. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and appreciating to be alive in these times. So... I'll explain to the, to the viewers, listeners, how we, we got into contact. So you are, um, you got into contact one way or another with former guest, guest of three episodes, Donovan Russo, and worked with him on the short film Sparks, um, which I love and watch, I've watched numerous times. You also connected with, last guest, Michael Bruno. And we thought we might bring you on with Mike. And I said, you know what? I think Ryan deserves his own personal episode. So, so here you are, um, episode 54. Um, I don't know, random question. When, when you think of the number 54, what do you think of? The number 54? Yeah. No, it's random, but. It is random. I almost think now of like a, of a baseball team with the numbers in the back, although I don't know if uh, 54 goes up that high. It does. It does. Do. There are pitchers that wear 54. Um, for sure. And then football numbers, think of sports. Just wanted to, wanted to see your, uh, get your take on that. Episode 54. You so, got a favorite team? I'm sorry? You got a favorite team? Favorite team. Yes, I do. So I, I grew up a New York Yankees fan. Um, big time. Die hard. And then, you know, growing up in this area, I was a little bit of a New York Giants, football Giants fan. And then you know, New Jersey Nets. Um, I went on the University of South Carolina, and that's where I attended, attended college. So now I'm just a big, big time college sports fan, football, basketball, and baseball. But I, but I still do do follow the Yankees when when they end up playing again. Now I'm watching the KBO Korean Baseball Organization because yeah, that's on TV a lot lately. Oh, all that's on. So yeah, that's that's good. The Yankees were a big part of my would you call childhood upbringing but this is about you ryan um and as a, as a filmmaker wanted to talk to you about your first film where did you shoot it and you want to talk a little bit about it probably officially the very first film that we did was a project that i did over on my campus back at uh, caldwell university i was there for four years studying my bachelor's pursuing a major in communication and media studies now, the university was well known for that because they have a very good mock studio way in the back, like these big cameras, big studio lights, and access to all this equipment that we can use for all these projects and news that they had run by the students 
over on the campus. So for one of the projects we had, we had to create a short story that surrounded uh, the prohibition over okay. in the 1920s. So after uh, borrowing some of their equipment and mics and lavaliers, we set up to uh, an area that my grandfather co-owns over in Garfield. It's called the American Hungarian Citizens League. Oh, wow. So we dolled the place up, made it look uh, 1920s as possible. Uh, my grandfather and his buddies had some old jackets, those old, like, Oliver Twist uh, baseball cap things. Sure, sure. And we filmed them, like, a long weekend. Shot it, like, all in black and white and post. Uh, you can definitely tell it was a first-time student film, but I still have very high memories and high regards to it, thinking, you know what? I think for a first film, it turned out pretty decent. Where's the footage? Uh, it can be viewed now on YouTube. Um, I definitely look a lot younger and definitely not as experienced now. I'm sure every filmmaker artist kind of has like that kind of moment of a project they do years years back. They say, well. Saying like, no, I've grown since then. <laughs> sure, that's, 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 that's how you grow. You start at one point and you get, get to the other. I want to tell you that I... Um, Attended grad school at Caldwell University back back then when I was in grad school. Um, you're not old, by the way. Um, uh, I graduated grad school in 2008, uh, back when it was still a Caldwell College and not yet Caldwell University. Right. Well, again, I might um, I might have missed it. What was the name of the short film? It was simply called just short film at the time. Short, just short film about prohibition. All right, and you got a little, little family flavor in that as well. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. um, breaking off of that question, um, give us the most unique location at which you shot a film. Probably the most unique one we did was the uh, past feature that I worked on. Um, I was hired on to write, produce, and supervise on set this horror thriller called Why Mona Ray. And the film itself takes place primarily in one location. This, the, the script called for like this big uh, country home okay. that's lived in by these two Amish siblings. So even though we couldn't find an actual Amish house, we wanted to find an old looking um, house that was country and away enough from like the general public. So upon scouting over an Airbnb, we found this very nice very big uh, country home up in uh, Essex, New York. And we took a scouting trip up there last summer, actually. We met the owner, we got a tour of some of the grounds, and this man, uh, Willie his name is, he specifically specializes in restoring old colonial houses from its foundations and, you know, building them up, refurbishing them, and now he rents them off into Airbnbs. He uh, liked the idea of the movie we were shooting, and after getting the rooms and everything, he said, oh, he even specializes in an antique store that he has in town. So he got old uh, oil lanterns, old-time clothes to use for the actors, uh, made the place as old-fashioned Amish-looking as possible. And it's almost like, Almost going back to the bar real quick, like even though it was a bar, we had to really fix it up to make it look like it was old fashioned. This place, you had to change so little. Like it was almost perfect on arrival, the exact feel and atmosphere we were looking for the film. And we were up there for two straight weeks. Uh, 
the place was big enough that we could all could have lodged there the whole time. And we just spent two weeks living there and basically uh, sleeping during the day and shooting at night. Wow. Like the whole, cause the whole film takes place in the matter of one night. You know, I know very, very little about filmmaking, but it seems like if you do this for the rest of your life, you're not going to, you're not going to fall in that situation again. Um, that, that's, that's awesome. And secondly, you know, just from hearing you talk, filmmaking always seems to be some kind of a culturally advancing experience every time that you do it. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're just, you're just exposed to so many things and you, you have to make so many adjustments and it seems like you just learn so much about um, could be history or previous culture, even if you're not looking to do it. So it seems like a pretty cool ride. Um, Absolutely. Any project you're in, the people you meet, the places you are, like even if the film, you know, isn't good in the end, it's still like you're, you're picking something up in the end, either the, the layout of the place, the people that you're meeting, you learn something. And I got to say, Willie, the owner, taught us a lot out there because he's like, oh, the characters wouldn't do this or, oh, no, the house wouldn't go in this direction. And we're like, oh. And he would kind of add his own contribution to the script because at the end of the day, no matter how you rewrite a script, it's ultimately dictated by where you're shooting it. So many times it was like, oh, the foyer's here, but the living room's to the left. Meanwhile, in the actual house, it was like far back someplace. So yes, okay, let's just rewrite the script. So like, you know, character A goes to this room, that room, and having to go back. Hmm. Constant series of adjustments, yes? Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times we rewrote the script on the shot, on the day of the set. They had to be like, Ryan, you got to reshoot, we got to rewrite this scene. Like right now, like right now. It's a microcosm of life. It never goes the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, even when they call it the shooting script, that's normally like, the script you go by the day of you that you shoot, but even then on the spot, it could change either ad lib by the actors or brought in by another environment or just say, Hmm, this scene's not working out. We got to redo it. Gotcha. And then honestly, I got to commend people who work on these very high budget Hollywood multi-million dollar, you know, company movies. Cause you know, one thing, one hitch goes off and sometimes you got to change the whole thing. So to keep it all together on a, micro budget was kind of like oh that's a lot to handle but now on a multi-million dollar scale i can't even imagine right. stakes i guess are higher Absolutely. Huh. Huh. well you can you, you can you hear your passion all throughout this and another project you're passionate about is the project sparks and you did it with mike bruno sebastian russo uh, our boy donovan russo uh mid sabaya i mean tell us a little bit about why you were so passionate about Project Sparks. Well, I first met Donovan over on LinkedIn.com. We started uh, mingling, talking about, you know, getting to know each other. And we noticed that we both had a passion for film itself and filmmaking. Uh, he had mentioned that he himself did a few uh, short films, like this one crayon that's on YouTube, which was pretty good. Yes. And he did this one that I liked where it was just him at this sunset or sunrise shot on the beach and i remember going to him saying oh wow that looks beautiful what did you film that on he goes oh i just filmed that on an iphone i was like wow like the resolution the way he shot it was just fantastic so he immediately he had me hooked with like somebody who was very both ambitious and somebody who was very passionate about what they wanted to go into and donovan a guy who i see as 
always on the move, always working, not just a filmmaker, but like a songwriter. He's now writing a book, which is something. And when he came to me with this idea of Sparks, it was just a short film, mostly in one location, centered around these two people who had this very, you know, troubling uh, relationship. And you don't go into it knowing exactly what's going on. There is a moment of silence, very little dialogue, and you're kind of setting the mood. And that's ultimately what film itself is. It's such a visual means. Not all the time needs to be dialogue, not all the time needs to be this big overblown music. Sometimes just the silence or the right amount of what frame you're shooting in, it's just you set the mood and there, and that's what you learn from there. So when he when he, he pitched me the idea to Sparks and sent me the early draft, um, I loved it immediately. Um, originally, which I really liked, it was in an elevator where they got trapped in an elevator and they were forced to mingle. Didn't know that, that situation I really loved because like, okay, you're stuck in an elevator with somebody that you're having this very tense relationship with. And now you either sit there in awkward silence or you can finally confront the, the literal elephant, the elephant in the room. Um, uh, you know, budget and location wise got changed to a car, but works, I think just as well. You see, Mike in the beginning, he's looking down, he's frustrated, looks at Nid, you're wondering what are these two thinking, what are they feeling? They get in the car, they drive off, it's still silent. What's going on? What's the story? What's happening between these two characters? And all that I just loved. And I gotta really commemorate Donovan for just bringing it all together because you know, he knew Mike, um, he found Nid, almost at last minute and she brought so much to the project so much to the team and even come the day of the shoot which we had to shoot for you know one day because we were only able to get in it for one uh, full day but even then we all just came together saying oh this scene will work this way you know we could shoot um a shot that way it wasn't simply just even though a director will have free reign of a studio free reign of your environment Everyone kind of wore the director's hat that day. Everyone kind of brought their little spice to the project, which I think made it so personalized. And by making it personalized, it shows the, the passion within the project. Yeah, you, you, you definitely repeated something that, that Mike Bruno said in the previous episode, how it was a, a, a group project where there are no, no egos involved and um, just amazing how it all came together. And I think you described Donovan to a T um, and all of those adjectives. He is all of those things. And I'm so glad you all got together and were, were, and connected and trusted each other to create something that's um, really cool. Sparks. Um, outstanding. Last question via, via filmmaking. Um, fill in this sentence for, for us, Ryan. Filmmaking is what? Adventurous. Definitely adventurous because no matter how much you read in tutorials, no matter how many classes you take, you're never really truly prepared until you really do it yourself. Much like an adventure going off someplace that you've never been to or doing something you've never done before, you never know for sure until you're finally in that environment, you're wearing those shoes. I've learned from both the classes I took and the projects I've done it's not until you get that hands-on experience. 
you realize your strengths, your weaknesses when the going gets tough, and you come to realize, okay, this is the direction we're going to go. And that's ultimately how adventurist becomes. Experience is the best teacher, is it not? Oh, a- absolutely. I cannot recommend that strongly enough for any future filmmakers or artists. It's just, just keep creating, just keep getting yourself out there. Outstanding. Outstanding. Diving in and swimming here on episode 54 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Ryan Lessica. Ryan, we are going to go into a game called What, Which, and Where. I'm going to read a phrase, a sentence of, uh, of somebody, something you're very familiar with. And you tell us from where it came. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> here we go. Number one. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Is that the quote from Bruce Lee? It indeed is. One for one. Give, me, give us some words you, you think of when, when I say Bruce Lee. When I think of Bruce Lee, I think of a man who just keeps going and never quits. Some people would think that being never satisfied is, uh, you know, an untangible goal because you're always moving and you're never having that end game. But in a way, that's kind of how both projects, goals, and life is itself because you're never truly complete. People are always changing. People are always evolving. And change is always a good thing. So for someone like Bruce Lee, who always just kept practicing, always just kept training, he would mention how he would try and lift like these two heavy weights in the very beginning of his career. And it was usually, and starting out, it was beyond his capability. And he would just keep pushing upward and pushing upward. And at first, obviously, it's like, you know, first couple hundred times, you know, you're not going to get it. But as long as you keep building it, keep, keep, keep committing it, he didn't downgrade himself. He still kept those weights. And eventually, sure enough, he lifted them with ease. He stuck to his guns and he just kept going. And that's, I feel, they certainly have to, they have to admire, not just in the training of martial arts that he did, but for anyone doing pursuing any job or any career or any project. Like, you just have to keep going. And sometimes the harder, the better, because the more rewarding it is. And that, I feel, is kind of life in a nutshell. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's about not only persistence, but perseverance. Try, fail, learn, grow. He, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know this, but he's got a documentary. I mean, a documentary on him is coming out on ESPN in a few weeks. Um, I'm very excited to actually see that. I did hear about that. I'm very excited. Be water, my friend. Be water. Good stuff. You're one for one. So, so uh, loosen up. You're fine. Let's go to quote number two. Okay. Okay. A fanatic is one who can't change his mind. Who said that? That's not a quote by Stephen King, is it? It is not. I can see where you would think that. A fanatic is one who can't change his mind. A... Um, renowned speaker. I love hearing him, old clips of him speaking. Um, 
boy, if I, if I, uh, I would give you a hint, I would give it away. Um, he, he, he has one of my, just a quote that, that makes me laugh every time that, that, that I hear it. So I'm in, I, I'm in high school and I'm, I'm taking a public speaking course and a, a friend of mine, Steve, reads this quote and uh, from him, this man, and I'll never forget it. So he's at a party um, with, with a lady and uh, talking to a lady and he's intoxicated and the lady approaches him and says, uh, sir, you are drunk. And he says, yes, madam, and you are ugly. And that just cracks me up every time that I hear that. So that gives you a little bit of idea of his personality. He kind of, he was very blunt. Very blunt man uh, from the UK. Now, what, now he's UK. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm still drawing a blank here. It's, it is Winston Churchill. Oh, my God. Yeah, Churchill. So, yeah, um, he's he's when you know when I, I I say that whenever I hear his name or say his name, it just it evokes respect for me. Just a guy I grew up had a lisp and worked and worked and worked until he became a uh, now a, re, a renowned speaker. Um, an unbelievable, just just a wealth of knowledge when I when I think of him. All right, one for two. Let's go to number three. All right, here it is. Rather than love, than money, or than fame, give me truth. Oh, this is not my day today. Don't think too hard. You're you're just you're getting beat before you get in the batter's box. This is this is one of your guys. This is one of your guys. You think, and when you think of philosophy, you think of this man. You do. Rather than love, money, or fame, give me truth. Initials H D T. All right, help me. I'm drawing here. Henry David Thoreau. Ah, uh, yeah, this is not my day today. Yes, you've Thoreau. Been hard. You've, you've been working hard, and, uh, and and you were all over the first quote. So, and they're not designed for you to get three out of three. So. Uh, dust off and as we go to the, the bottom of this we know all heroes don't wear a cape Ryan but if you had a chance to take a one-hour car ride with one of the following three people who would it be and why would it be Bruce Lee would it be Winston Churchill or would it be Henry David Thoreau I can tell you right now Henry David Thoreau would not get in the car he would want to walk he'd want to walk <laughs> so he's out He'd say, "No, I'll see you there in a couple of days. I'll camp out in the woods." Okay. Actually, it's uh, Lee and Churchill. I feel like, as much as I love Churchill, he's also very argumentative. So mm -hmm. I think, in the end, I'd rather go with Bruce Lee on this. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, what would be one of the first questions you would ask Bruce Lee uh, during that car ride? First, how he got so fit, because I would love to learn some of those martial arts that he knows. He's yoked like an egg. Unbelievable. Oh my God, he's just completely all muscle, not a single ounce of fat on him. Now, my next question is, do you, do you think he'd want to be in a car for an hour? Or would he want to exercise? Would he want to walk with Thoreau? Oh, he, 
he probably lifts the car to begin with. No, he probably would. So it'd be an easy, uh, it'd be a wild, a wild ride for you. Okay, so it is indeed, it indeed Bruce Lee. Uh, let's uh, f- finish up here. Uh, fill in this sentence. In the end, it's all about what. I'd say purpose. I love that. I love that. It's all purpose. Mm-hmm. Every, everything you do, everything that you set forth to, it's just all purpose. Give yourself motivation. There's this French phrase that I love completely. It's raison d'etre. And it's, you know, it just roughly translates to what is the meaning or purpose in, in either something or one's life. So when you, when you pursue your life or goal or project, it kind of, you know, boils down to what is the purpose of it? So what is your, but basically what is your raison d'etre in life? And that I just absolutely love. I like that too. Nice little, nice little nugget there. Nice little nugget. Empty your pockets. Not, not literally, but figuratively. Any advice for the listeners and then the viewers? My advice definitely uh, before you find a passion, you go, you go for it. And just like Bruce Lee, you stick to it that no matter how impossible it seems, you know, set yourself that high goal. Don't set yourself too low because it'll seem too easy and unfulfilling. And then once you fulfill that hard goal, you feel very accomplished. You feel that, yeah, you made it, you got this far and you'll just keep going. Rather than my you, you can aim high and miss and try again. And that's the beauty of failing, because now you know what not to do the next time. Amen. 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 Hey, this, is, this has been great. Do you want to share your contact information with, with, with the listeners and viewers if they want to get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my uh, cellular number is 973-897-4412. My email is ryanlasica at optonline.net or ryanlasica at gmail.com. Cool. I've been mispronouncing your name. It's Lasica, not Lasica. Lasica. Okay. For this. So every time I mess up, I'm just going to keep myself in the head. Ryan Lasica. All right. Outstanding. Something, something I should have uh, clarified before we got on here. But nonetheless, Ryan, this, this has been spectacular. Thank you for your, your, your space and your time. And uh, we'll catch up here again soon. And thanks so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. That will wrap up episode 54 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Ryan and I will talk to you all later. Take good care. You have been listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Because impact on each other is the greatest currency you could ever have.